0: we're talking about uh, the Christian family. Hallelujah. So we began to speak about, say, that, um, or I said that these are extracts also from our marriage counseling class, but it's been modified for the Christian family. And the first thing we talked about is that for every Christian family or relationship or marriage, um, Christian family begins with a marriage, or sometimes you might find that they were already married, and then they came to Christ. Hallelujah. Uh, The word, we said that the first thing that a Christian family or an ingredient for a Christian principles of a Christian family or marriage or relationship is that they must have the word of God being first place and final authority In their lives. You should have that. As an individual. The word of God should be first place. Final authority. In your life. Jesus said something. When he was being tempted. In Matthew chapter 4. Verse 4. He said. And he answered and said. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeded. Out of the mouth of God. And the written pages actually came out of the mouth of God. They're out-breathings of God. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the prophecies of the Bible do not have any private interpretation. Amen. That they were men led of the Holy Spirit who wrote these scriptures that we're reading. Glory be to God. So, we we know that it is God's instructional manual for living Amen. You don't buy an equipment and begin to use your own ideas on how to work it out and all of that. If you do that, you might ruin the equipment. Uh, Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Hallelujah. When we want to know what God's will is concerning anything, it's in the Word of God. If something is wrong, how do we know from the Word of God? The basis of our relationship is the Word of God. The Word of God does not evolve. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It does not change. And it is not one of those things that we can just impute our thinking into, the Bible says that no prophecy of the Bible has a private interpretation. That means I don't get to read something into it that it was not intended. And when you do, there'll be another scripture that would make it clear that your thinking was wrong, that it was faulty. Praise the Lord Jesus. The word of God is the constitution of a Christian family or relationship. Another reason why you have to base your relationship on the word of God is that you know what to expect so that if things are happening um, and something goes wrong, both of you, the husband and the wife, who are the heads of the families, can go to the word of God and have it resolved without calling a lot of people. Just get into the word and have the matter resolved according to what the scriptures say. And God God loves everybody. God, God doesn't, you know, you notice as we begin to read when we come to issues of submission and love and all of that. God takes care of everyone. Amen. God has, te- the word of God takes care of everyone. Hallelujah. Now, that does not mean you may not learn other things that may encourage your marriage. Praise the Lord. Jet skin is not in the Bible. You might decide to go, go do that with your family. All right, going to uh, the team parks, not in the Bible, but you can do that. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the next thing is that your family or relationship, for those who are trying to get married, praise the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about, when we say relationship right now, we're talking about godly relationships. Amen. Not a woman and a woman. Not a man And a man, not a man and a transgender, all right? There are no transgendering in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So your relationship should be Christ-centered and kingdom advancement driven or focused. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Every Christian, every believer, these are things that believers should have in their personal lives. God first, then everything else is built around that. Otherwise, people are going to bring their ideas and their ideas will fail you. And the dangerous thing, or the, 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 the worst thing about this thing is that you can spend 10, 15 years on the wrong road. And before you know it, your days are gone. But thanks be to God that God restores the wasted years. Hallelujah. But you'll be enjoying it in some, you know, do you get what I'm saying? You'll restore those things to you, you get all those things you're supposed to get, but you could have enjoyed it for many more years. Praise the Lord Jesus. Amen. You must have eternal values as your overriding consideration. That's what we're talking about. So when you're seeking the kingdom of God, you are thinking eternity. You have eternity in mind. When you're dealing with your wife or your spouse and they did something to you, when you when your natural self, you don't talk to that person for the next 10 years. But the word of God says, don't do that because Jesus can show up while you're keeping malice. So smile real big and make up with the person before Jesus shows up and catches you in malice. Glory be to God. That's what it means to have eternal value. You're, you're thinking the judge, if God were to judge this thing I'm doing right now, would he be right? Glory be to God. Seek the kingdom of God first and together. Hallelujah. In your relationship, ensure you're encouraging one another in the things of God. Without this vital ingredient, your marriage or relationship is unsatisfactory to God. And it might become unprofitable. That's the kingdom of God has no benefit in your relationship. Ask yourself something. What has the kingdom of God gained by you and your spouse coming together? Is there a gain to God? God must have benefit in your relationship. Oh, I want to marry this person and all of that. Ask yourself between your relationship. What do you intend to be doing for the kingdom of God, both of you? In the name of God. I'm marrying because I love him. I'm marrying her because I love her. And that's all. We're going to raise a family. Raise a family was the commandment given to Adam. Adam has fulfilled it. There are many people upon the earth. Billions of people. Over the centuries, billions of people are upon the earth. And we're still growing. You need to attend church regularly and together. And participate with God's people together in the advancement of the kingdom of God. If you don't, see, there are people who have dissatisfaction in their, in fact, let me put it this way. There will be dissatisfaction in your relationship if the spiritual part of your relationship is not working right. After a while, there'll be dissatisfaction. Either one will pull down the other or one will pull up the other. But until they they agree in what they're doing, there's going to be a dissatisfaction. Those people who are who are wives that are in church and their husbands are not in church, they know how it is for them, how they feel about these things. Hallelujah. Or the husband is church, is in church and the wife is not in church. So you attend church together regularly, participate together, win souls together, have Bible study in your home. It will help you. Now, if you're alone, you can have Bible study with you. You study the Bible yourself. You get what I'm saying? You can do that with your siblings and all of that, um, which is good. Amen? Number three is that you have to walk in love. You have to love your spouse. Love the person that you're in a relationship with. You have to love them. I didn't say you have to be in love with them. If you're in love, beautiful. And usually you're in love when you're in a relationship before you get married, usually. But it's not compulsory. The Bible does not advocate that, the Bible does does not command that you must be in love with whom you marry, but it commands that you should love whom you marry. I'll say it again. The Bible does not command us to fall in love before we marry, but he commands us to love whom we marry. I'll say it again. The Bible does not command us to be in love, or God does not command that we must be in love to marry, but we must love whom we marry. To God is a greater thing to love the person you marry than to be in love before you marry the person. I'll say it again. To God, it is not compulsory to be in love before you marry, but it is compulsory to love whom you marry. I'll say it again. To God, it is not necessary to fall in love before you marry, but you must love whom you marry. I'll say it again. To God, it is not compulsory, imperative, commanded, all right, required that you fall in love before you marry. But you must love whom you marry. Amen. Okay. Ephesians chapter 5. I'll read it from verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as their children. Walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Now let's jump to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. And give himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. It says that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife, loveth himself. Let's stop there. He that loveth his wife, loveth himself. He that loveth his wife, loveth himself. If you hate your wife, you hate yourself. Now, is it only the husband that should love his wife? Titus chapter 2, verse 3. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior, as becometh holiness. Not false accusers. Not giving too much wine. Teach us of good things, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. Love has to be deliberate, God is trying to tell us, and intentional or intentionally directed or directed toward the object of love. It's an intentional thing. It's a deliberate thing to show affection. To show kindness. To treat the person with esteem and honor. Now, love does not always give us what we desire, but it gives us what is best for us. God's love. And God's love does not mean that, like when you start having your children, does not mean that you cannot correct someone or that you cannot confront something that is wrong in your relationship. If your relationship is going to be there for the long haul, if there's something wrong, you need to confront it. So you have to be intentional. Your love has to be deliberate, intentionally directed toward the object of love. In this case, your spouse, your family, your children, one whom you are engaged to be married to. That is the God kind of love. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. That's why marriage is a commitment, a covenant, a covenant commitment. I'm covenanted to someone to marry the person. It doesn't matter what happens. Love cares and finds pleasure in doing what is best for others to help them in their walk with God. Love always has this in mind. He has he has God in mind because this, the 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 one providing the love with which we love people is the Lord. It's supernatural. The love of God the world cannot have it. God cares. You ought to care for your spouse. You ought to love your spouse. You ought to care about what he think about things. Hallelujah. Amen. What, you, you, you're planning to do something. You know, God is God. The height between God, the rank between God and Abraham, you can't, quite, you can't phantom it. But he said, should I hide what I'm about to do from Abraham? You, you, you see what I'm talking about? So he, he called Abraham. I said, I'm going to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. What do you think? I'm going to go and search it out. God is conversing with a man. He does not need your counsel. Do you understand? That you're carrying all the money in the world does not give you the right to just do things. In your family, especially when you have a Christian family, you people should be able to talk to one another and encourage one another in the things of God. If somebody is going wrong, the other person ought to say, Brother, you can't do this. We're more than all of this. You cannot do this. You you find the the Christian, the house of God is supposed to run like that. You see a man treating his wife wrongly. You're a brother. You're his friend. You should talk to him. Or it's your sibling. Talk to him. Say, no, this is not how to do it. Or you see a woman treating her husband and her family, children wrongly. And you know the person. You're a sister. You sat down there and you witnessed something Don't see it in front of everybody. Call her aside, sit her down, say, Friend, this is not how to do this thing. What you're doing is wrong. That is what it means that if one falls, the other will be able to help that one up. It's a one to you for a Lord. Hallelujah. We don't just do things, love also corrects. Love is not the absence of correction, but love. Should be with wisdom, all right. There are times when you want to, you want to confront something, and you know it's not the right time to do it. You will know in your knower that it's not the right time to do it, or the right place to do it. You wait, and when that opportunity comes, you do it. Now, the next thing is that number four is that you must be willing to acknowledge and ask for forgiveness. When you are wrong. Acknowledge, acknowledge the fact that you're wrong. When you are wrong. Jesus the master says something. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 23. Therefore if thou bring thy gift to the altar. And there rememberest that thy brother had ought against thee. He said leave there thy gift before the altar. And go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. You don't have to wait until you give a gift. Do it at home. Now, you've done something wrong. Instead of apologizing, you just come to the person and put your hand on their backs and you're rubbing their backs and all of that. Say you're sorry. Otherwise, you're walking in pride. And pride is a sin. Acknowledge you were wrong. Call the person and said look I was wrong I thought about it the Lord has been dealing with me constantly have a heart that God can speak to you don't be hard hearted don't be someone that God cannot speak to that when the Holy Ghost touches your heart David cut the garment of Saul and the Bible says his heart smote him what that thing is is that the Lord was dealing with his spirit and said you should not have done that and you know he apologized for doing that He called Saul. Hallelujah. Be willing to acknowledge the fact that you're wrong. When you're wrong. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 2. it said that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. Unreasonable people. They will do things that are wrong. Totally wrong. They can't say I'm sorry for doing this some people laugh about this thing there are people who never use that word I'm sorry whatever they will do everything else they can buy you a brand new Mercedes Benz but they will not say they're sorry something is wrong with it say you're sorry then you can buy whatever you want to buy afterwards because you're building strife you're compelling the person into bitterness and grudge and the bible says we should consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works and when they ask you for forgiveness you should be willing to forgive